Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Jesus That's Good News podcast. This is a space where we're going to share the gospel, aka the good news, to anyone who has a vulnerability to pull up a chair at Jesus' table with no reservation needed. Julie. Devin. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's so nice to start my morning with you and to pull up a chair and share coffee and laughs and what y'all don't realize is that Devin and I do a lot of talking before we ever hit record. And there's a lot of laughing and just good times uh, sharing conversations. So we want to invite you guys into that. We're glad you're here. Yeah. So like we always say, pull up a chair and let's get into it. First of all, happy holiday weekend. We're recording on a Sunday. So by the time you guys listen to this, we just hope everybody had a good time sharing space with loved ones this weekend. Yeah. And I want to, I, I do want to give a shout out to you, Devin. Um, I don't know how many of you know this, but Devin's in the Army Reserves. And a couple of years ago, she wanted to challenge herself because, you know, life just wasn't hard enough for her. And so she she thought she would embark on this adventure. And I think I would have just gone canoeing or something instead of enlisting. You mean you didn't want to go and freeze your butt off in <laughs> 10 degree weather eating chow outside? No, none of that sounds fun to me. I'm thankful for you and the heart of others, you know, who are willing to do that. So thank you, Devin. Thank you for saying that. And I have to say, I'm in the Army Reserves, and there's people who are overseas or, you know, serving every day. And my respect goes out to them. So it kind of fits, you know, your service to, to us and to others and the service of, of all military individuals kind of falls in line with what we're talking about today with the Good Samaritan. Right. You know, learning how to serve and love um, outside of our normal boundaries, if you will. So if you guys got a chance to read the scripture that we're going to be looking at today is Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. This parable, I think, along with the one we just finished talking about with the prodigal son, those two are are probably the most well-known parables. And the Good Samaritan is a phrase that we see attached to hospitals or to individuals who are doing good works. But how many of us really know what a Samaritan is or who a Samaritan is? Kind of like the word prodigal last week, Devin. We don't use the word prodigal very much, mm-hmm. and but yet people have a general idea of what it's referring to. I, I was sharing with you prior to us hopping on about the Good Samaritan Law, and you said you'd never heard of that. No, I had never heard of it. Didn't know it was a thing at all. Apparently, we need to legislate kindness in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> is that kind of backwards? It seems like it, doesn't it? Like... There's actually a law. It it protects you is what it does. Like if you are going to help an individual who's in dire circumstances or in need, like let's say, Devin, you were at a a restaurant and someone was choking and and you jump up and you do like the Heimlich maneuver on them and you Mm -hmm. save their life. But let's say that in the course of doing that, you broke a rib, Mm. their rib. Right. That law would protect you. Because I was doing something kind to save their life, even though it resulted in injury. But under the Good Samaritan law, they see it as you trying to help somebody. That's right. So there's protection there as you try to help someone else in need. So perhaps I digress a little bit. I, I know in states like Vermont, and there's two or three others, how crazy is it that you could actually be charged if you don't help someone? who is in need. So they kind of flipped that a little bit. Yeah, we talked about in some of these states, if you see a car accident or somebody like in this parable lying on the side of the road and you don't stop to help, 
you could be charged. It's a crazy thing to think about that uh, the legal system would get involved in compassion issues. And make no mistake, this story today is a story of compassion, a call to compassion by Jesus. Um, And it's a really interesting interaction that takes place before we ever get to the parable Jesus finds himself in a peculiar conversation with, of all people, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And here he is, just this poor carpenter rabbi, and he's about ready to go toe-to-toe. Toe-to-toe, baby. I wonder if this lawyer knew who he was messing with. But I love Jesus's demeanor in this. Like, when he's going toe-to-toe, he's kind of taking a step back. Obviously, from the get-go, he could have been like, do you even know who you're talking to? But that's not Jesus. Like he was like, let me just feel this guy out real quick. Let me give him a taste of his own medicine. I wonder if the disciples are like, dude, you're barking up the wrong tree. Don't do it. This is not the guy to get into an argument with, you know, but his ego knew no boundaries. And so he really wanted to test Jesus. And it says it right here. Let's just jump right in. You want to? Yep. So in verse 25, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Yeah, he wasn't really interested in engaging in, in, I don't think really in learning anything, but it was all about the test. He was testing Jesus. Again, bad idea. Not a good idea. And for lack of better words, the cojones this guy had. I don't think, Devin, I can find any Greek or Hebrew equivalent to that word. (laughs) No translation. Everybody gets it. All right, so what stood out to me about this lawyer was that he was saying, what must I do, action word, what must I do in order to inherit eternal life or to inherit my way to heaven? Like, what do I need to do, Jesus, to check off my boxes? Like, we always talk about the checklist. Like, what do I need to do just to get up there? I don't really care. Tell me what it is. I'll do it. I just want to know how I'm getting there. You know, that really speaks to how we view our relationship with God, that it's all about doing I am not a wealthy person by any stretch of the imagination, but I have a daughter and upon my passing, my daughter will inherit everything that I have. Yeah. And how is she going to do that? How is she going to inherit that? Well, it's not going to be by any of her actions. It's not, I don't have a checklist prepared for Taylor. Yeah. It's not like get your driver's license, check, marry somebody, check, be a good daughter, check. No, she gets it because she was born. Because she's mine. Yeah. By the fact that she is part of me, just by being born, you know, she's going to receive what I have. And I think there is this beautiful dichotomy that kind of slides under the radar here, that we receive all that Christ intends for us Hmm. just by the fact that we are children of God. Yeah, exactly. That we are his and not by what we have to do. And I know we touch on that every week, but it's just so important. And it took me so long to really wrap my head around that concept and to really feel God's love and grace, even when I don't, you know, do the checklist that I thought I was supposed to do. It's given to us. So I love this because Jesus, he kind of played the game with this guy. He said, well, you're the expert in the law, right? How do you read it? What do you think? And he kind of put the lawyer on the spot here. Jesus does this a lot in interactions with people. He will respond often with a question, uh, which again would frighten me to a certain extent if we were to sit down for coffee and I were to ask him a question. And he'd say, well, Julie, what do you think about that? Well, that's why I'm asking you, Jesus. That's right. And this is a brilliant move by Jesus here. What do you think, lawyer guy with a big brain? And Exactly, because he knows he's talking to somebody with a little bigger ego than he probably should have. 
So the man replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, those of us who know a little bit more about scripture, I don't say that, by the way, in a demeaning way. I know you don't take it that way. I learned this on my journey. That is something that uh, in Jewish tradition is called the Shema. And what they would do, Devin, is they, they actually say that prayer morning and night. And actually, what they're doing is they're quoting uh, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus 19. They're kind of merging those two ideas. But they start off by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And they go through that. So I really like that idea. I think it's a great centering prayer. I think when you wake up in the morning, that is a great thing to say. I think when you go to bed at night, if you want to do evening prayers, I think that's a great place to start. But see, the the lawyer would have known this. He was a religious scholar. He was a religious lawyer, it says. And he knew what he was supposed to say. Yeah. Supposed to say. Supposed to say. But did he feel it in his heart? And he knew he was being a good Jew, so to speak, or a good uh, follower of the Hebrew tradition if he did those things and he could check his boxes off. But he obviously had the head knowledge, but his heart wasn't really into it. And I think this is what Jesus was seeing in this lawyer. And yeah, so Jesus calls him out on this. He, he says to the lawyer, you answered correctly. Do this and live. I love that too, because I, I can imagine that the lawyer was kind of puffed up. Like, you know, you're damn right I answered correctly. <laughs> like, you know, take that, rabbi. And so I think I'm wondering if Jesus was a little bit snarky here. Like, okay, you answered correctly. Now just go do that. Go live. Go do your thing. Instead of, you know, actually putting what he's saying into practice or into work. You can only say so much. It's about if you actually go out and do the work. Yeah. And I think this is when the lawyer starts to squirm just a little bit. He's like, oh my God, this guy just called me out. He just called me out. And what Jesus managed to do very slyly was he exposes the man's emptiness, doesn't he? Like the lawyer is all about being right, but he has no love. And Jesus sees this. And what do we do like when we get exposed? Like just in everyday life, I know if I get exposed by something, I immediately get defensive. Oh, very much so. My human nature and me, I'm just like, I I try to justify, I try to cover myself, like I get defensive. So I can only imagine what this lawyer's feeling right now. It's the yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, Yeah. but (laughs) see what you don't know is, and we go on to give excuses for our behavior. And so he does the yeah, but right here. And it's kind of like, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I think he looks at Jesus and says, you know, well, if you're going to stipulate that I've got to love my neighbor, did you hear that little fanciness in my yeah, voice? you might as well get your pinky up. Pinky up. If you're going to stipulate that I have to love my neighbor as myself, then who is my neighbor? And again, I'm like, dude. Ugh, gosh, this guy, he's not getting it. He's not getting it. He's like, all right, now go tell me who to love. I'll go do it. Like, without actually doing it. Without actually doing it. And as if you could boil down love to a checklist, by the way. You can't do that. You know, it's a heart transformation and it's not about what you put on from the outside. I mean, this idea of loving Devin and I, again, we're t- we talked so much before the podcast, but we were talking about this idea of loving others. And we're going to get to this in just a moment, but loving is hard. Hard. It's not easy. 
if you're going to love the right way, like people, I think I, I'll post something on Facebook, you know, love God and love others. And I think people view that as just a, a short expression that's kind of cutesy and it might make for a great bumper sticker. But my friends, I'm telling you, if you're really going to love like Jesus, this is not easy. This is challenging work, very challenging work. Yes. And it is born out of a heart transformation. My good friend posted on Instagram the other day, Tori Gilman, shout out to you if you're listening. She posted a beautiful piece of writing. She talked about how when we all die, we're going to go up to heaven and we're going to have a conversation with God. And he's not going to ask us about somebody three houses down who is a transgender. He's not going to ask about the same-sex couple down the street. He's not going to ask about the woman who had an abortion. He's going to ask you how well you love those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to hold us accountable for our love. Mm. And it's just a great test. And I hate the word test, but it's a great reminder every day for us to not care so much about what other people are doing and their life choices, but to only worry about how well we can love them through their choices. Oh, yes. that That's beautiful, Devin. And it reminds me again of my mom and how uh, we invited her actually to our Bible study just about a week to 10 days before she passed. And God bless Jody. She was over there and she got her set up with Zoom. And and uh, do you remember, Devin? I mean, here's my mom. Everything is kind of stripped away. Her health is gone. And, um, you know, she still had her her beautiful mind. And we were just at the end of our ropes. You know, we were so tired coming up on a year on that. But the takeaway that my mom gave us, do you remember what she said? That it all comes back back to to love. love. Here's my mom lying there and it didn't matter about how much weight she lost at Weight Watchers or um, how much money they necessarily had in the bank. It all came back to love. And that was her repeated lesson for us. And it really does. And, and Jesus echoes this, you know, that we are called to love God and to love others. And if you're doing it well, if you're doing it well, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just, you know, pie in the sky kind of ideology. It, it's hard work, but it all does come back to love. And we're going to really talk about that here in a little bit, because there's so much that goes into truly loving somebody even when you may not like the person oh that's when the hard work is Devin I really have to work at loving you you are so difficult (laughs) same I I do not like you very much I don't like no it it is hard Uh, well you know what we go back to how we first met Mm -hmm. right and my first response to you was ugh young and beautiful and here Jody and I are old and haggard or whatever but it's like my first judgment was I don't like you I didn't even know you, right? But like, I didn't like the idea of you. I didn't like the idea of you sitting right beside me. Right smack dab next to you. (laughs) There are plenty of chairs, Devin. Take the other chairs. But, you know, when you call God out, when you test God in that way, he's like, now watch what I'm able to do. Right, the beauty that's about to come from it. This is just like everyday living too. Why is being negative the easy thing to do? I know, it's like the default, isn't it? Right, when it should be completely opposite. Yes, why don't we love first? It's hard work to be positive all the time. It's hard work to love first. 
It's so backwards. And we're going to jump right into it. But this parable shows exactly that, is loving someone when it's hard. Let's jump into this parable because, again, context is everything here. And there are some things that a lot of individuals, you know, will read this and they're not understanding the full impact that this story would have as Jesus is telling it, not just to the lawyer, but to those who would maybe hear the story later or even for us 2,000 years later. Let's read through the whole parable. And um, you guys, if you're listening at home, if you're not driving, close your eyes, kind of put yourself into the story, step into the story, and just listen to Devin read for a moment. So Jesus, in response to the lawyer's kind of silly question of like, okay, well then who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with this. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So Jesus asked the lawyer, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes. Now go and do the same. Mm, so good. So good. When Jesus is telling this story and he uses the phrase despised Samaritan, he really didn't have to use the word despised. It's like when you're in Ohio and it's November, if you were to say a despised Michigan fan, you don't have to say despised. You can just say Michigan fan. People already know. We already hate them. I mean, that's just how it is. So by Jesus saying Samaritan, the crowd is already like, boo, hiss, ugh, yuck. They're already feeling like gross about this story. They don't know how to respond to this story. And break that down a little bit. Tell us why the Jewish people did not like Samaritans by any means. Oh, they hated them. They actually hated them. They they viewed them kind of as uh, not even lower class citizens. I mean, they just didn't view them as human at all. What happened was, and you would have to go back in Jewish history, but the Samaritans kind of were once part of the of the Jewish Hebrew tradition, if you will, but their theological beliefs were considered wrong. And I think that's what's really important here. Their beliefs were considered wrong. And so because of their beliefs, uh, they were viewed as dirty, as outcasts. And oh my God, Devin, like we, view, we, we have this happen all the time. Like we see churches split and, and we see people fighting all the time because you know what, Devin, your belief is wrong and mine is right. And even not even in the church, but Republican, Democrat, like there's so much divide in this world where our belief is right, yours is wrong, yes. we can't coexist. It's, it's that dualistic thinking. And mm-hmm. if you're right and I'm wrong, or if I'm right and you're wrong, you're right. There's no coexist, right? Yeah. So what had happened was they had different theological views. They didn't view the Jerusalem temple as their temple. They built their own temple 
And what made it really, really bad was the Jewish individuals, the Jewish nation, if you will, when they found out that the Samaritans had built their own temple, they actually go to that mountain and they destroy the temple. So there's a lot of bad, bad blood. And the crazy thing is, is that you see here in the scripture, a priest sees this man lying on the ground. Yeah. And he's like, oh, turn my head the other way. I didn't see anything. And he just goes on with his business. And then a, what? A church assistant comes by. Yeah. Does the same thing. He's like, nope, don't want to get my hands dirty. So there was a, a kind of a downhill road. And even today you can look at pictures. It's surrounded by cliffs and rocks. And what would happen is bandits or whoever would hide up in those rocks. And as people were leaving Jerusalem, they would come and attack individuals, especially if they were traveling by themselves. And what's interesting in this story, we can't make any assumptions about who the man is that's lying naked, that has been beaten and has been robbed. We knew nothing about him. He's naked, okay? which means he doesn't have any identifying clothing. You know, last week we talked about the tassels on the yeah. on the clothes. I mean, like, was this guy a Jewish fellow who had just left Jerusalem and he had been beaten and robbed? And if the priests would have known that was a Jewish fellow, would that have made all the difference in the world? Probably so. Like, that, he's one of mine. He's one of mine. I'm going to go help him. But no, he saw nothing that identified him as such. So he just kept on going. Yeah, and so I think you can you, you can hear the priest say, you know, a lot of things. Uh, he's just white trash lying by the side of the road. Well, we would say white trash, but and by the way, if, if he's dying and he touches him, then he becomes unclean, right. especially if he's a priest, you know, and he might not actually live that long. So I think I'll just let him live there and or you know, the bandits or the thugs might still be up in the in the mountains and if I stop to help, I might get attacked as well. Again, we're thinking inwardly instead of outwardly to others. Yeah. Yeah. All this to say, like we said, the priest goes by, the church assistant goes by, and then a Samaritan, the person who should be the last person to help this fellow. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like I joked about a Michigan fan, but I'm trying to think of a modern day equivalent. Well, I mean just anybody who's listening, think about your worst enemy Mm -hmm. (laughs) the person that you just do not mesh with by any means imagine that person i can't because you know Devin, i love everybody oh i'm sure you do (laughs) (laughs) no trust me you know what's sad is i have a couple people in mind but it's true i mean like i said there's just people out there that we just don't get along with so imagine that person lying on the side of road or imagine yourself beaten mugged naked on the side of the road Mm -hmm. and then you see your worst enemy down the street coming towards you i would just be like let me just let me lay here (laughs) and go in my blood and nudity (laughs) (laughs) that's it's just it paints the picture of we have two people on completely different sides of the spectrum and they are put in a situation of do i help this person who i do not agree with or not do i show them true love or not And again, just as the prodigal son was a shocking story, this one is meant to be shocking. Yeah. A despised Samaritan. uh, He is the most unlikely hero you would ever hear Jesus talk about in a story. And here is the guy. He is the guy. He's the one that steps up. And the things that he does, I mean, what I love about Jesus is he, he doesn't just say, he helps him get better. No, but Jesus describes an extravagant love. 
Okay, so get this. So he pours oil and wine to soothe his wounds. So he takes care of his brokenness on his flesh and and he puts him on his own donkey, which means that the Samaritan himself is now walking to wherever he's going, right? He arrives at the inn, which is not like, you know... It's no Hilton. It's no Hilton, thank you. It's it's no fancy hotel. Inns back then were just kind of what we call in Southern Ohio a lean-to. Have you ever heard of a lean-to? No. So it's just an outside wall, and you put something on top as a makeshift roof. And it's called a lean-to because it just kind of leans on your your pre-existing building. Sure. So he, you know, makes arrangements for the gentleman who owns this inn, so to speak. And he says, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take for him to recover. Whatever it is, you know, if it's extra... I'm going to pay for it. You know, whatever the debt is, I will pay. And he must have had a good relationship, by the way, with the innkeeper who took him at his word and allowed the the beaten man to stay there. So also the man is stripped. He's going to need some clothes. And yeah, all this costs money. And the thing that's cool about this story, too, is that this man dropped him off and said, whatever it costs, I'll catch up with you later. Put it on my tab. I got him. Because back in those days, if... They didn't pay their debt off; they would be sent into slavery. Right. They had. They would basically have to work off that debt. Right. So this guy was saying, no matter what, I got him. He was thinking in the future for this guy, not even just in the moment of helping. Oh my gosh, that's a great point. He was. He was like, I'm going to take care of everything about him. I mean, he left no stone unturned. This was again an example of extravagant love. Not just a little bit of kindness for a person you didn't know, but extravagant kindness, extravagant love. And what is really interesting, again, kind of reminds me of the prodigal as the Pharisees were listening to that story and thinking, Jesus, you're telling it wrong. You told that story wrong. Well, Jesus is telling this story wrong, too. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus just totally undermines the guy's total attitude, you know, when he says... (laughs) Jesus, I think, again, with a little bit of, you know, with a little bit of... A little sass. I like my Jesus with a little sass. Yeah. (laughs) I do, too. I do, too, Devin. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And here's, here's, if you read this quickly, you don't even pay attention to it. He says, the one who had mercy on him. And what what I pick up here is that he didn't even have the wherewithal, the gall to even say the Samaritan. I mean, he hated and despised the Samaritan so much. He wouldn't even say the Samaritan did. Or the type of person he was. Right. Because you're not going to say the word Samaritan in a positive context. And so Jesus is like, okay, go and do the same thing. Just go and do it. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus boils it down to the very basics. This is not rocket science. Nope. Jesus has made this very clear. You know the Shema to love God and love others. Go and do likewise. No matter what. Go and love. Unconditionally. As a kid, we grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Did you ever watch that, Devin? Or I, I'm really dating myself because I think that came out in the 1970s when I was just a young pup. I didn't watch it. I'll say that. Have you, <laughs> like, have you heard of Mr. Rogers? Yes. Okay. So he came out in the mid-70s and Fred Rogers was actually a Presbyterian minister, but he had gone into television and for whatever reason, I think he viewed that as ministry. I don't know if he was inspired by this story, but 
he would sing this song, Devin, at the very beginning of every show and talk about, I would sing it. I was going to say, I, let's I hear it. it. No, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, okay. a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? That's four yeses. You're going to Hollywood, Julie. There we go. <laughs> so he would end that song by saying, please, won't you be my neighbor? And then he'd go, hi, neighbor. This whole idea that I'm not Fred Rogers' neighbor. He's filming this show over in Pittsburgh, right? But this idea of expanding who my neighbor is. And I think Jesus had the same idea. Like a neighbor is who you happen to be in relationship with. A neighbor is who you come in contact with every day. I mean, yeah. let's face it. I mean, a neighbor is, everyone's your neighbor. It reminds me, I watched a 9-11 documentary this past September 11th. And in this documentary, there's a survivor talking about when the towers were falling or I think one of them had just fallen. And he was there with a woman who was burned from jet fuel, head to toe. Oh, wow. And he was saying, at that moment, it didn't matter mm. who they were. It didn't matter what she looked like. It didn't matter if she was married to a man or a woman. Nothing mattered. He just sat there with her, and they just prayed. They said the Lord's Prayer. Because when it all comes down to it, it all comes back to love. It all comes back to love. You mean he didn't question her about her beliefs first or made, you know, what, what she felt about communion or baptism or if she was a member of a church somewhere? They I didn't mean, look for a similarity before they prayed. They could have been complete opposites. They don't right? know. But when it came down to it, they were there to love each other through mm. the most horrifying time. Oh, wow. That's beautiful, isn't it? And he was a good Samaritan. I know just recently, Jody and I were talking about this, and there was this picture um, I saw on the news of in a in a Polish a train station where these Polish mothers had left all their baby strollers for the Ukrainian refugees who needed them for their children, and they didn't know who was going to come and take them. They just left them there. I mean, there's so many different ways to love, and the call is to recognize the need and to love. And again, it's hard work, Julie, because I think about people who, in my eyes, maybe have like done me wrong, mm. so to say. And I had to think about, like, we hold on to those grudges and those like feelings of, you know, anger. You owe like, me. Yeah, right. You like, owe me, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything nice for you. But that is when mercy and grace comes in. And that's what I took away from this story, too, is like, at the end of the day, no matter what somebody has done to you, as hard as it is to love them, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. So it's challenging. It is. And I think also it, it can't be lost on us. I don't think Jesus told this parable to make himself look good. But we can't help but notice that Jesus really is the Good Samaritan. Yeah. He, oh, I'm at a loss for words because... He really does know everything about me. He knows every way that I failed. He sees how poor in spirit I am sometimes, how I'm so often filled with judgment and anger and resentment and unforgiveness. And Mm -hmm. me too. I'm so lost in my own self. And and Jesus is the one, you know, who came along a long time ago in my life. We talked about in the first episode, I always viewed Jesus as someone to be feared, but, you know, he's actually the one that came and has seen me in my worst, and he picks me up, and and he bandages my open wounds, and and 
he soothes my soul. And he pays your debt. Yeah, he feeds me. And, you know, clearly Jesus expects his followers to behave like he would. To extend that mercy and to extend that grace to others. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm reminded, sometimes I think we, we need a reminder, a humbling reminder of what it's like to be, to be someone in need. One of the more interesting, in a way, he became a blessing. One of the things that happened when we were taking mom up to Columbus for her chemo treatments is we met a guy named Ruben. And uh, Ruben lived, he was homeless here in Columbus. Look out for Ruben and take care of him. Ruben hangs out uh, near campus uh, on the Olentangy uh, side of things. He's down by the Target and Old Navy in that area. And he lived behind the railroad tracks uh, behind the store. And, and we got to know Ruben. And anytime we would go up and take mom for treatment, you know, we'd check on Ruben. We just, we just saw him. And, and Jody and I were immediately drawn to him. Mm-hmm. I remember we walked over and, and uh, we started talking to him and, um, he was an African-American gentleman, half blind, standing there with a sign. And, you know, we'd get him his underwear and socks and things like that. We asked what he would need. And he'd always ask for the bare minimum. But I, I remember one time I was up there and uh, Jody and I were up there and she had run into the store to pick up something for him. And Reuben happened to be sitting down and I sat down beside him to take his perspective and to see people passing between, there was a Marshalls and there was a Target, like I said, an Old Navy, and to see people walk past us. And I saw the condescending looks mm. and I saw the judgment. And I thought, this is what Reuben sees every day. Yep. I think it's humbling to realize that we are all people in great need of love and grace and mercy. And we can never forget that. You talked about that last week. All we want as a person, is to be fully understood and fully loved. Yeah, for someone to fully know everything about me. And that's frightening, by the way. Devin, the reason we can sit here and, and we could do this podcast is because I've shared everything in my life, I think, all my all the good and all the bad with you. Same, vice versa. There's there's no secrets, mm-hmm. you know. And, and mom always said perfect love casts out fear, and it does. So I think we're called to go out and love perfectly. Yeah. You know, and when we love people. Truly love people. Yeah. It makes all the difference. And it's that ripple effect that we speak Mm. of, Julie. Once somebody feels that unconditional love and acceptance, who's to say that they won't go and spread it to somebody else? It's a beautiful ripple effect. I know, right? And, you know, Devin, I've shared this with you in Bible study before, but St. Teresa of Avila is attributed with this quote, and I don't really care who wrote it or who said it, but I just want us to keep this in mind as I share this, I want you to consider uh, this this story of the Good Samaritan and and how is God calling you to love, Mm. to love perhaps in a very dangerous way, to love in a risky way, to to love that doesn't stop and ask, you know, are you worthy of me helping you? Or a, a love that doesn't stop and ask, you know, what will happen to me if I do this? Mm. It, it's a love that is, is truly brave and courageous. So just keep this amazing quote in mind. It's just so visual, so beautiful, and it's definitely a call to action. So consider this, that Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. 
I told Devin before, you know, grace and love and mercy don't come in packages from Amazon. Yeah. You can't say, I'd like to order some love today, please. No. There's no free delivery on that. No free shipping. No, no. We receive it by being in relationship with others. And others receive the package through you. They receive the love through you and the mercy through you and the grace. So go out, my friends, and be hands and feet this week. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful call to action this week. Until we talk again, even if it's just one time this week, let's be intentional about spreading that risky, that dangerous, that it doesn't make sense type of love to other. Well said, Devin. So next week, speaking of, we're going to be talking about how Jesus was baptized in Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Oh, I love it. I love the baptism of Jesus. There is just... It's such a short little brief bit of scripture, Devin, but there's so much there. I'm so excited. It's so good. So yes. good. And just a reminder, everyone, visit stoveleg.com slash holy. And that's where you can submit any prayer request or good news of your own. And even this week in particular, if you go out and you spread that good news, share it with us. We want to hear it. We want to hear it. So go ahead and visit that website to submit that good news or those prayer requests. Uh, I think too, Devin, we could send them to our Facebook page if they want to comment on things or I'll maybe make a post this week and ask for ask for some stories. That would be great. I love it. So go ahead and visit us through Facebook or our website. And also, if you guys like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. So go out and be hands and feet. And until next week, Devin, take us home. On behalf of Julie and myself, here's to the good news. May we be it, may we seek it, may we spread it. So pull up a seat. There's no reservation needed. Be well, friends.